Hey everybody, welcome to the show. In trying to come up with a theme or topic for this week, I was uh, perusing through the usual bucket of ideas that I have, and I realized we haven't done a lore cast in close to a month. And me and Sam always enjoy doing these, uh, just because I get to learn a lot more about the world of Ember Sword than I previously, you know, knew. And every time it, it turns out that there's this little nugget of information that, that really needs to come out in the open. And first off, Sam, hi, <laughs> welcome to the show. Our narrative designer, Samuel Horton, everybody. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me again. Hell yes. So what brought this idea for the cast up? Well, there are actually people, you know, out there who kind of like the lore of Ember Sword. That, that was like, that's, uh, you know, what really started it. But yeah, people want to know what the timeline of uh, this world is. And uh, I felt like, hey, this is a great way to indulge, you know. And, uh, you know, I love going over it myself. It's it's fun stuff. So, I yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what better way for people to learn the history than to listen to your dulcet tones as I just sit here and marvel. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> okay. let's let's get into it. Um, start at the beginning. Well, when a man and a woman love each other... Not biblical! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh okay, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, the year is 2220. This is about... Oh, it, it's 200 years <laughs> from now in our <laughs> own universe. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that they have a better Roaring Twenties than us. But uh, uh, with this uh, world, uh, we start on the moon of Io. And this is where the birthplace of humanity, for all intents and purposes, what is recorded, it begins right here. We have reached a space age, and we are ready to go out into the solar system. We are ready to just bring it on. We're ready to seize the sky. And uh, so a part of launching the probes out, a part of this initiative is uh, responding like or following good leads. And the best lead out there is that uh, there's been a screeching transmission received from the Sagittarius constellation. And, uh, you know, this is uh, this plays a parallel to SETI in our universe, in our world. And uh, we so we try to respond, but... They don't write back, essentially. We just hear a radio transmission. And so, while we're searching, it is five years later that we discover something shocking. There is another humanity growing on Mars. There are people that, like us, that are that uh, have a thriving colony, but they're, they're in like a Puritan-like state. They, <laughs> It's kind of like if, uh, you know, you were to like like it's not even uh, comparable to you know you walking uh, like going to tennessee it's like oh here are a bunch of amish people <laughs> this is more like these people are like 400 years in our past today's past and uh, they they just have a very simple way of living it's like these people on this planet of mars we don't know where they came from but they they look like us they sound like us and you know they just it's been They've had a hard time, and we don't know where they are. So, Holy but crap. we prob, yeah, we probably you know had a similar origin, but we don't know what that origin is. So, it uh, is then in the year two two six three that uh, we detect uh, uh, another uh, phenomenon. There is a massive object 
discovered orbiting the star KIC 846285. Please, people, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, in our own universe, there's something called the WTF star. And what we discover is that there's a massive object orbiting it, you know, that behaves in an erratic manner like it almost doesn't seem real it doesn't seem like it could just randomly be there but we don't know what that is it's uh, 1500 light years away so as we're bonding with our own fellows from mars we're watching the sky be because it's like hey if we found people here there's no telling where life could be so anyways uh of over the next uh, 75 years, you, you know, you come to the year uh, uh, 2300, and for the last uh, 75 years, we've been mingling with the, you know, the simpletons from Mars. <laughs> we're we're from Io. We we get to enjoy the like basking radiation of uh, Jupiter that would murder you if you come with it. A quarter billion miles, but let's not go into that. Semantics. So, uh, uh, yeah, we've been uh, bonding, and uh, we're kind of evening out. We're, we kind of are on the same page, eventually, as Mars has been incorporating our technological capabilities and catching up. You know, it's almost like, you know, the DMZ between the two Koreas has been uh, brought down, and, you know, the two cultures are... Like, something similar to that, you know, where catching up is, you know, we're reaching that uh, good phase. So, from here, the two civilizations decide to become one. An interplanetary government called Pangea. People were wondering, is Pangea a planet? No, it's several worlds. And Io is not a planet, last I checked. So, uh, it's uh, uh, Io and Mars. And uh, they decide... We need to expand, you know, look how great it is with our two worlds, let's let's colonize. So to do this, they decide to uh, deploy these gargantuan machines, terraforming machines called skiders. And uh, yes, you are aware of the word skider in Ember Sword lore with Ediso. A lot of you guys hate Ediso, stop yeah. it. So, <laughs> so uh, Yes, there are these skiders deployed. These are massive terraforming robots that uh, are going to change and develop the atmospheres of these worlds. So this brings us to the year uh, <coughs> uh, 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 3214. It has been 900 years of terraforming. Yes, this is scientifically accurate, people. It takes about 900 years to terraform a world. Seriously? It's not Seriously? like... Yes, yes. And this is actually something that, uh, you know, I ad uh, adapted to when I was writing the lore. It was actually one of the latest <laughs> changes to the lore. It was before, you know, this was all public, but, you know, this is actually something that, uh, you know, we went to have out there. That, uh, you know, we follow the rules pretty well. Uh, you can is it bend based upon something? Oh, that's that's just what's, you know, been uh, what uh, has been... Uh, uh, postured like with terraforming Mars, for instance. Uh, otherwise, we're gonna have to like if in our own universe, if we want to colonize Mars, we're gonna have to live in big glass bubbles, essentially. So yeah, it's based on something. Uh, so uh, it's been 
It's been 900 years, and most of the Galilean uh, moons of Jupiter are now habitable, uh, except for Ganymede, because it's the largest. It, 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 there's some delay with that. And uh, uh, if people are wondering what the Galilean moons are, if you uh, look at uh, Jupiter through your telescope and you see the little uh, shiny dots around it, those are the Galilean moons. They're... Uh, there are several dozen moons orbiting Jupiter, but those are the ones that are sizable so that stand out. They could see through a telescope. Or if you're a goat, you have good enough vision and you can see it from... <laughs> but uh, I don't think any of you guys are goats. So um, That we know of. We do have ducks, so yeah, hop in a skip have to goats. Ducks. No pun intended. Yeah, we... We have a ducks, and we also have... Apparently, Starjan is in the chat. I, I you know... I. But uh, anyways... Uh, uh, Ganymede has not, uh, it, it has, it's not up to snuff, but thankfully it has this one curious, curious little satellite that is uh, tidally locked with it called Thanabus. You know, you probably won't see it if you look through the telescope, and we're going to get into that. <laughs> um, so what the people from uh, Ganymede, dis like the, the 2B colony decide is, you know, we went to home, we want to have this going, so we're going to have the Ganymede colony land on Thanabus until Ganymede is ready, you know? We, no one wants to be on Thanabus because Ganymede's a pr the, uh, the proud jewel, but, you know, for the next few years we can kind of set things up. So, uh, the governor of that whole expedition is uh, called Bo Abel, and uh, what's on the Thanabus... Uh, uh, the head of the Nicholson uh, Astronomical Foundation is a fellow called Alistair Burkhalter. Oh, that's a name like Ooh. the Burkhalters. Oh, yeah, we're so, and he's a uh, and uh, the what uh, that NAF what they do in this world is that they uh, are essentially this universe's SETI. They they want to reach out. So from uh, Thanabus with the uh, with the uh, this new. Uh, Apsis uh, <laughs> Observatory. It's so exciting to be able to say this because this is <laughs> stuff that you guys have been seeing. From Apsis Observatory, they start sending things, uh, messages out to that one curious object still orbiting that <laughs> that uh, star, the the WTF star. This is still happening, guys. A thousand years later. Sub why is this thing there? What is it? We, in our universe, we don't know. I hope the answer is different. Uh, and so... <laughs> I really hope so. Yeah. So, of course, while this is happening, they're, like, this is a, a curious part of the lore. There, there are these, uh, like, things are, are powered, like, ships are powered by uh, fuel still. There, have, there has to be sources of fuel. And at this point in time, the best source of it is actually to to collect the the cold uh, uh, components of the Jovian planets. And uh, one of those is, uh, f there's a, a freighter that's called the Spirit Shredder that is uh, harvesting some uh, materials from Jupiter, but it malfunctions and falls into Jupiter, and this actually is quite costly to to uh, Pangea. They don't know how this thing malfunctioned because these freighters are robust and they can withstand tremendous pressures and all that, but it falls into Jupiter and it's, it's seen as a very big loss. But then here's where things start ramping up. Six years later, it's the year 3220. Starjan arrives. 
and people look up in awe and horror as they see that this thing, this entity, it commands an entire planetoid that moves freely throughout the cosmos. This thing is powerful. He is powerful. Starjan is godlike, and his body is essentially an entire, an entire like network of bodies inhabiting this planetoid. So, complete control, and. Uh, uh, he, like, comes onto the scene, and everyone is terrified, and he, he says that he's arrived to answer a threat, heralded by negligent transmissions over the millennia. Like, a threat, like a rising threat. Something is, like, rising, and it's like, oh my god, we are rising, and we are <laughs> sending these transmissions to this thing over the last... Uh, over the last thousand years, and look what it's gotten us. It came, oh, and, and it is scary. He then, uh, uh, like, uh, like shows off his capabilities, and uh, he announces that he wields a powerful weapon called the Ember Sword. And this thing, this weapon, when it's held, you and in the right hands, you could channel, you could channel the very energies of the universe, like. It's basically you could uh, take the power of a supermassive black hole and wield it through a blade. And so this thing, like, no, this, this guy is dangerous and uh, he's scary, you know? So, for the next five years, Starjan uh, quietly patrols through our <laughs> solar system. Quite, like, just, uh, what is he doing here? And uh, then, like, Suddenly, he springs into action. He lunges at at the planet Jupiter, and he projects energy into the atmosphere. He is attacking Jupiter. He is sending energy into this planet. Why is he doing this? He like this is going to this is going to be bad, you know. But like uh, for people who are science aficionados, they know they should realize that J Jupiter with the right components during the primordial days, it could have been a second star. So, this is bad. You know, this could, like, this could upset the scale of things, the balance. And so, we've been getting ready for this. So, the fleet from Pangea launches into action and attacks Starjan while his focus is into Jupiter. And, uh, and, uh, so, there's this sudden, just, oh, it's almost like a Mexican standoff between him, Jupiter, and, uh, and, uh, our fleet and uh, just we managed to do it we managed to kill Starjan kaboom he he explodes and uh, the debris it destroys the fleet and it showers the Galilean moon in moons in the uh, uh, wreckage and that's it lands down upon uh, upon Thanabus and, uh, and, uh, and all the other moons on Thanabus uh, the it like the Skyder crashes, which causes a big terraforming malfeasance that creates Ediso. Like the this once oh beautiful boy. forest is now like it's a tundra, <laughs> and uh, now like Skyder's sticking straight out of there. And uh, Duskron, it is even more of a Sahara desert than it ever was, and uh, and uh, just everything is knocked off balance. Everything, and like most of the population is decimated 
that, that this is a technologically sophisticated, you know, you know, we, we've done it, and they are suddenly, you know, <laughs> it's almost a question of who done it now. Like, where, how did this happen? And, uh, the dust settles, and, uh, what happens is that, like, the dust is settled, and now the remains of Starjan, the, the planetoid, it, it's like almost a ring around, uh, around Thanibus. It is called the husk. People can perpetually see the remains of this entity that just, like, nearly destroyed them. Like, he, and it's, like, the ember sword is gone. Like, wh what was that? Like, we saw that, like, attacked uh, Jupiter and, uh, and things are now just quiet and it's a dark age. And, uh, we wait and we wait and we wait for something from Pangea. But then when we do receive word from, from, uh, someone who is affiliated, we learn that Pangea, it's no more. The, the, like, this whole, this whole thing, it created, it, perpetuated a blame game. Uh, it perpetuated a civil war. And now, you know, our little colony of Thanabus, it's on its own. And our hubris, you know, of uh, just uh, assuming that we could take it all on, that we could, you know, just delve into the madness of science. This, you know, it, it, it uh, snapped back. It was, a, it was like a, a rubber effect. It, it you know, bounced back at our face and this is what science has got to this and uh, and so the provisional government you know just the emergency government is run by the like the governor Bo Abel's uh, right hand man uh, Arch Claudius and uh, so Abel is dead and Claudius is is he he's uh, this young man and he says that you know they need to rally and you know they need to they need to take care of themselves and this provisional government becomes the republic and uh, yeah the the northern hemisphere of uh, Thanabus was predominantly where people settled uh, at this point uh, Duskaron was more of a, a ideal land to move uh, for caravans it was good for trading it was good for passing through so the people there they they uh, now are like, well, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to make Duskron into something, and uh, a, a prominent trader of that was uh, a trade king. Like he became the trade king, and his last name was Scarrow, and uh, and people rallied around him, and uh, trading actually became its own nation and its own enterprise, and and uh, where Severin is in all of this is that. Uh, the biggest chunks from uh, from the catastrophe, the the, the biggest parts of Starjan, they they landed in the uh, in the center of Severand, and it created this like dusty plateau, this this uh, just hellish landscape in the middle of the jungle, just it, like a bald spot, if you will, and uh, the rocks sticking out of there, uh, they became known as Starscrape, and. Uh, so that becomes the the uh, <coughs> that that becomes the capital of uh, uh, Severin eventually, but for now it's just a good place, you know. At this point, it's just a good place for uh, people to take shelter in who are kind of stranded at Severin. And 
uh, Severage becomes a prison colony for uh, the for people from the Republic. People are said to exile here. Uh, you know, haha, have fun in your toxic, poisonous, dangerous jungle. <laughs> Good luck. See you later. <laughs> and the uh, and the uh, yeah. And in the meantime, in Burkhalt with the uh, the not Burkhalter Solarwood. What uh, happens with the um, Apsis Observatory? That becomes the very first piece of Burkhalter's Academy, the the most prestigious, you know, the the academic uh, institution of Thanabus. And uh, so the seeds have been planted, and you know everything has just has just developed to where we are now hundreds of years later and Claudius is still alive it's like this guy he rallied everyone you know with stunning resolve and he's alive and almost like ageless this this fellow he you know it, it, it's almost like providence to people and that's uh, a bit suspicious yeah it, no <laughs> you, you <think? laughs> yeah no <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no <laughs> That is, uh, that, you know, is where it leads us today, and Severance, you know, is a, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a unified nation. There were a bunch of small communities here and there, it, it, and it, it was almost like Space Australia, if you will, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sorry, <Nice>. Tom, <laughs> yeah, we, we have a programmer called Tom, he's gonna love that, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and he's from Australia. So, um, no, it, only in the last few years has Severin unified as a single nation, uh, and uh, you know, and and uh, they are militant and they are ready for action. And uh, and the Republic, they the Republic is going strong as ever, and uh, and uh, people there are safe. And and uh, meanwhile, Duskron it. It perseveres, and uh, that is where the whole, you know, chain of events have led us. And uh, on the, and that's on the macro scale. On the micro scale, everyone has an interesting story to tell. In or, or maybe it's not interesting to people. You know, <laughs> you know, someone they might be amazed by that time that the crops were slow a few years back. You know, but they're gonna still tell you about it. <laughs> it's your prerogative to be like, wow, <laughs> like Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I've had goosebumps for the past twenty minutes. This was so awesome. Um, I I never quite put together just how I'm. Wow, do you need a break? Do you need to breathe? This was this was so much. This was amazing. I uh I I sincerely hope that everybody took this in as as I did, just like leaning back, eyes closed, and just listening to this universe unfurl behind my eyelids. This was fantastic. And it's it's even better when you mention like everybody has a backstory, and if if everybody has listened to previous podcasts, they know everybody has a backstory like you've written pages upon pages about every single character down to their individual likes and dislikes that's how like seriously we're taking even the micro scale of ember swords yeah. narrative well uh, if people are wondering uh, if this is an exaggeration um i have a page written about backstory of a bear <laughs> in solarwood <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a, a story written for a kraken in Solarwood, so <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is not an exaggeration.
I mean, goddamn, if your macro storytelling is this good, then, like, every single character is... This is essentially wiki bait at this point. Like, somebody I know is just going to dive deep into this, and um, I know that members of the community are getting really excited about the lore. I don't know if you saw the, the post that somebody made, but somebody made up a little, like, bit of narrative based on the tangential information they had about the game as it was then. So now that they have an, the actual timeline, and rest assured, in some way this will come soon-ish to our official channels in written form, the, the timeline of Ember Sword. We're, we're pushing hard for that one. So yeah, if, if they could do all of that with no information, imagine what can happen now that they know what happened. <laughs> Yeah, I really yeah do appreciate the that uh, 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 fan fiction that was written about uh, Duskron uh, by Gunstar. Yeah, here here's a little shout out to you. Yeah, that was uh, quite uh, that's quite the fun read. You know, it is different from where I'm going, but it also it also you know gives me stuff to think about whenever I hear interesting uh, input like that because it's like. You know, it is a big place. Thanabis is a huge moon. There is plenty of room for things to come in many shades. And, uh, you know, so, yes, p please, people, keep up the good work, you know, of following along. And I'll I'll try to keep up work. Hope it's good. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see where it lands. And, uh, but, no, I, I really do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it, it really just uh, means so much to me that... Uh, just with the little bit of the scroll that we as that we have unrolled, that there how much people are able to do with it. That I believe is a beautiful way to end the podcast. Like I I can't top this at all. So yeah, this was the timeline of Ember Sword as told by the person who created all of it. Um, thank you, Sam, for once again uh, indulging me and in just telling me. Or letting me take a glimpse into the incredible universe that you're creating for the game. Um, um, really. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> always amazing. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thanks, Sam, for participating. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Hey, you. You made it to the end. Congratulations. That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news. We're all over the internet. Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg slash embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PlayEmbersword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. Drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Embersword.